Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. All right, what's going on, everybody? We're uh, This is the Boiler Express podcast. We've got a little bit of a different format tonight. Um, usually I've got four other guys here with me hanging out. Um, but tonight we're just doing a one-on-one. So uh, there's been a lot going on with Purdue Athletics just in general. Basketball is number one. Um, football, we just got our new head coach. And so there's just been so much going on. And so, uh, you know, this year, Devin Mockaby, the, the starting running back for Purdue, um, ended up breaking the single season rushing record. And so I thought it would be great to have the guy that previously held that record to come on here to talk about that a little bit, talk about Purdue, um, you know, the, this new coach and everything, and, and just kind of catch up with Markel and see how he's doing. So uh, Markel, welcome to the Boiler Express podcast, man. We love having you on. Oh, I appreciate it. Second time, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys having me back. A lot of fun stuff to talk about in the Purdue Boilermaker Nation. Excited. Absolutely. It's, you know, I think that's becoming like a, a marquee saying now for Purdue is, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a perfect time to be a Boilermaker. There's never been a better time to be a Boilermaker. And I feel Absolutely. like that's so true right now. So mm-hmm. um, really cool stuff. But so the last time you were on, we were actually really early into the season. Um, we were only four games in at that point, Purdue was two and two. So lost two really close games to Penn state and Syracuse. Won a really close game against FAU and uh, the and then blew out Indiana State. Um, so at that point in the season, you know, how were you feeling about Purdue football? Were you did you think they were going to go finish the season, you know, six and two, go eight and four, and then you know win win the West? Yeah, I I had a really good feeling, and I'll tell you why. Well, so awesome. DJ Knox is a part of the staff. I have communicated with DJ all year, so I got a little bit of an inside track on the Love team. That. Not in some of the inside out things, but as far as the feel around the team, and that's you can really tell how good a team's going to be based on how they feel, and um, you know the the basically the atmosphere surrounding the program, and they were feeling good. And so just based on that information alone, I felt like they and DJ was telling me they were going to be they were going to win the West. He told me that. Now you've, I've heard this since I've been at Purdue. You know, maybe right. starting in 16, 17. You used to hear these things, but he felt very, very strongly about it this year, and and they got it done. Um, I think that I had a lot of faith in Purdue, and I probably said it on the last last time I was on with you guys, yeah. just as far as a very close loss to Penn State, a very close should have won against Syracuse. So there was a lot of things, small things that you can correct throughout the course of the football game to put you over the top in some of those games. So. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I knew we were going to be playing Michigan in the Big Ten West and the Big Ten yeah. championship game, but I felt pretty good about the rest of the year at that point. Yeah, and you're totally right. I mean, we were two last-minute drives away from being 10-2, and two, and yeah. that would have been in, insane. You know, that would have been the first, the second time Purdue's ever had a 10-1 season uh, in its entirety. So, um, really – just ever left after a 10-2 and two season? Is that what – do we need to win those two games to keep Brown? Was that, was that the <laughs> recipe? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, home was calling, and I don't. I don't think there was anything we could. I, I think Purdue could have went twelve and zero and is playing in the college football championship, and he might have stayed to play through that. But I, don't, I think he still would have been out the door. I think I agree um, with you. Yeah, but um, 
So, and you know, what's funny is the last time that when we were talking about Purdue and, and the running game a little bit, you know, uh, after that FAU game, Maccabi wasn't even a real regular part of the, the offense. He wasn't um, the starter. He wasn't, you know, getting a lot of touches in the games. He got, he got some there at the end of Indiana state in a little bit um, against Syracuse, but you know, really wasn't uh, a main guy. A lot of, not on a lot of people's radars, at least not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Downing was actually the guy. He he had a 113-yard game against um, FAU. And so, um, you know, did you have <laughs> – at that point in time, you know, was there any – and you like you said, you talked to DJ a little bit. You know, did you have any kind of inklings, gut feelings, or anything that, you know, Maccabee was going to continue to – um to to develop and turn into the the freshman running back that that he was for the rest of the year i don't think that anybody saw him being as good as he ended up being but they knew what they had in that room all year and quite frankly it was political why he didn't play from the beginning of the season simply being a walk-on i don't think they wanted the optic um and that's just based on word of word of mouth from yeah. I went to the spring football or, yeah the last spring practice they had oh, I'm sorry the last summer practice they had um, their scrimmage and Maccabee broke off like a 60 plus yard carry and Barclay told me like this kid right here he's gonna play this year he's gonna be very good this year um, and so I knew at that point that if I believe wholeheartedly in, in Coach Barclay so I knew that if he saw that talent then I knew that kid was gonna be special. Um, but again, I feel like it's simply because of the fact of him coming in as a walk on. And I think there was probably some, um, I don't know what you want to call it, ego or something about not wanting to play him initially. But once the pieces fell into place, it's next man up and you got to step up and you got to produce. And that's exactly what he did. I think the kid stays ready. So you don't got to get ready. And um, that's the moniker of a really good instinctive football player. Yeah. And, uh, and for his, in his case, uh, a good, good running back. Yeah, and, and you could tell, you know, when he got put into that Indiana State game there in the second half, he was ready to go. He was – I think it was his first or second run. He ended up, you know, uh, scoring that touchdown really quickly. And uh, and like you said, it probably wasn't a surprise to anybody on the team how good he was, but it was just great to see him develop into um, the player that we all know and love. I think you can definitely tell that the mock – not only did Devin become a fan favorite, but I feel like his whole family is kind of a, a fan favorite. Um, you know, they just seem like some really good-hearted, down-to-earth people. And so, you know, we all couldn't be happier for Devin and, and the success that he's having. Um, and so, you know, after that, he started to become a mainstay in the offense, uh, you know, especially after you were on the podcast. He ended up running for 112 yards against Minnesota, had that insane breakaway one run there, I think, in the fourth quarter where um, it was maybe like a 60 yard run or so and uh, juked that guy, uh, juked him out of his out of his pants. It was, it was crazy. Um, and his his ability to, to cut and you know miss people is just uh you know something i haven't seen um a lot in running backs at purdue and it's it's uh, it's really just awesome to see that and so you know he ended up having five uh, out of the next nine games that we had for the rest of the year he had 500 plus yard rushing games um with his best one coming against nebraska he had 178 yard rushing game against them so um I guess, you know, from our last question, you probably weren't that surprised, but were you surprised at all at how much, you know, Purdue started to implement the run in their offense after, you know, Maccabee started to kind of get that momentum going, started to roll a little bit? Were you surprised at all at how much Purdue implemented the run? No, I don't think I was surprised, only for the fact that a lot of the defenses we were playing against, eventually they started keying in on Charlie Jones. And, you know, uh, Aiden, for as great as he is, and he had a heck of a season again this year, especially going through the things he was going through down the stretch there. Absolutely. Um, 
so for him to be able to step up to the plate and still continue to play for us was huge. But ultimately, Charlie was like star number one. And then behind him, you know, we had a couple of other receivers who were doing some things for us occasionally. So you've got to find a way to be two dimensional. And so in, in our case, it was going to be the run game. And again, they knew what we had in Mockaby. Yeah. The offensive line was doing their job. Um, and so I, I don't really find I, I think that it's good to have balance. Everyone, especially, you know, the fans now, they're going crazy on Twitter about this defensive coordinator. Oh, are we playing offense still? Like, of course. But so I just think that yeah. it's just a, a matter of, you know, being tough and, and showing that presence. And the Big Ten is about running the football. Um, and if you can mix in a good passing game, then you'll be better off for it. But no, I don't think it was any surprise there. And, and I was happy to see it, too, especially. And I think it helped us on some of these longer drives that we were able to carry out, you know, controlling the clock, managing that and keeping the defense off the field so they can get some rest. Cause a lot of times when we, like we talked about, whenever they have the, the, the have pass heavy offense, we're getting those quick turnovers and then defenses got a lot of pressure on them. So I think it's, it's good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, uh, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was definitely surprised at how much they started to implement the offense. I remember being at the Nebraska game with uh, Chris, one of the guys that's on the podcast here. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, Maccabee went for 178 yards in that game. And that's just not uh, – we were all just shocked. Just, I, I mean, we all knew he was good. Uh, we all knew that he was getting building that momentum. But just seeing him just tear apart a defense was just a really cool thing to see. Um, and so, you know, final game of Purdue's – uh you know season uh well not uh up to this point was against michigan in the big 10 championship where mockaby ran for i think it was like 75 yards or 90 yards or something like that and he ended up breaking that single season rushing record so you know I i'm sure you watched the game so was there any kind of feeling about that or is it like a cool thing to pass off the torch how was uh how was that uh so i wasn't at the game i saw i missed the last part there's my dog is acting crazy over here um what was the oh, last part of that sorry yeah no so just uh you know i'm sure you you caught the game in one way or another whether it was watching yeah. it there uh on yeah. tv um and so mockaby ran for like 75 90 yards i can't remember the exact number and ended up breaking that single season rushing record and so how was there any feeling uh in that for you was it were you excited for him was it cool to pass <laughs> off the torch were you like oh man i thought i was gonna hold on to this for a little bit longer you know what was that like I think I went through waves of all those different emotions, but oh, yeah. I think first and foremost, I was definitely happy for the guy because he's earned it. Um, and it's funny because we, I was the night before I was kind of chit-chatting with coach Barclay and DJ about that, that exact thing. And definitely obviously happy for the kid, especially the fact that I, I don't think, like you mentioned, he didn't really play the first four games. So he's, he's going off of limited carries, mm -hmm. but the carries actually match up pretty well. But as far yeah. as his attempts, Per games, I mean, he lost four games because he didn't really play those games. So, I mean, his ceiling is so high, um, which I think was the most impressive thing about it. And then the fashion that he did it, I think he was, he's basically had 500 yard games. Like that's impressive as a true yeah. freshman coming in, um, especially with kind of your back against the wall. And in a sense, like he came in with no expectation, which maybe allowed him to play free. You know, yeah. you know, you don't have to go out there and worry about like if you're a king, Doru. And you're worried about like, oh, if I get hurt, if I go down, then I may not see the field as much. He was able to just let it all loose and, and just play his game. And I think it's a credit to him, the way he prepares and um, yeah. where he's from. I'm sure that has a lot to do with the fight and the effort, because being some of these smaller schools, like even the high school I went to, you don't get as much exposure as far as a national level when it comes to recruiting. And so he was an under recruited guy. 
maybe had just the one or two offers and such. So he bet on himself and, and it paid off in a big way. Yeah. And so Maccabee's actually from around my area, around the Evansville, um, Boonville area, really small yeah. area. And so, yeah, I'm familiar with the competition that he played against. And, um, you know, as the season went on, I started talking to people that went to different schools that played football there while Maccabee was there. And every single one was like, God, he torched us. God, he torched us. We couldn't, you know, um, they all talked about how slipper he was and how it was like impossible to tackle him. And um, yeah, that's why that, they call, call him soap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just really cool to see him succeed like that. Um, and, and like you said, I think that he just has that mentality of like he's going to work, he's going to be prepared. So when that opportunity does come, he's, he's ready to strike. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool stuff. And so um, uh, kind of transitioning away from Maccabee a little bit, uh, you know, there we've had some stuff going on with Purdue football this last week, um, like we talked about earlier. Coach Brom got the the call from Louisville and he ended up going home. You know, we we all knew that that was kind of not a matter of if, but kind of when, just yeah. with the the passion and, and love that he has for not only the school, but the city, um, you know, with all of his family there and everything. And so, um, you know, that coaching search happens and it's a good, we're, we were a good six days into it before we, I mean, but Binsky hats off to him. He kept that locked, sealed, hidden from everybody. I mean, yeah. even the, even like the golden black riders, you know, maybe they knew more than they let on, but it, just reading their stuff, it didn't really seem like they were in the know. So, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, hats off to Babinski, but how were you feeling when that coaching search was going on? I mean, in a sense, I was just kind of letting it play out in front of me yeah. on Twitter. It's, it was kind of an entertaining thing to go through. I don't really like to comment a whole bunch on different people's posts, but just looking through all the comments and seeing everybody's opinion, everyone's got like a different feel and vibe and who they were expecting. And obviously I think this candidate, um, coach Walters, it threw everybody for, uh, you know, a bind in a, in a sense. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected for, especially just the historically, the way that they've hired coaches here to go for a guy who's as young as he is and as up and coming as he is. But I, I you know, and we talked about it, Based on the press conference that he had today, I mean, that dude was super impressive. I think that he was he, he blew a lot of people away. And I also believe that he probably pulled in a lot of people that were those naysayers are like, oh, man, this is a touch, such a terrible hire. And yeah. but I will say, you know, those six days were a long time, especially I'm, I'm just looking at like, oh, we got a fourth decommitment. And I'm and I'm also thinking about all these scenarios where you've got coach um, Brom, Brian Brom in yeah. the building, Bill, and then you've got the D.C., uh, not English, the other guy. Hagen. You got Hagen in the building. And I'm just like, man, if we don't start making some moves quickly, I'm just seeing, you know, how things, you know, obviously these guys are have already declared that they're going to go to Louisville. Yeah. So the fact that they're in our building with our kids, you know, it didn't make it, didn't sit right with anybody. So that was uh, a stressful little, little situation. But I don't think I could be any happy with the hire. I, I love it, honestly. And I'm just really excited now. Now the watch is really on to see who he picks for OC. Oh, I know. Right. And and now you've got that rumor mill swirling around everywhere. And yeah, um, but yeah I, I'm really happy with the the hire, too. You know, I, I didn't know a lot about him. I, I knew that I had heard that he was like a potential. He was a name that was kind of thrown out there. Didn't really know much about him, um, but, you know, saw that he took Illinois to being ranked like 121st in the PFF rankings to um, like second or fourth. Yeah. I think it was uh, yep. just just an insane second. turnaround in two years. Yeah. Um, and that's something we so we had our podcast last night, our weekly podcast, and that was something that we were talking about is 
so many people are afraid of having a defensive minded coach who, you know, we found out today he he played quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it was in college, but, you know, at least in high school, he grew and his dad, uh, you know, he grew up around football, grew up around, you know, high powered offense. So that's something that he wants. And he talked about a lot. Uh, I feel like that was a question or just a statement. He kept having to answer a repeat, you know, throughout the throughout yeah. the day just to really drive it home. But, you know, um, that was something we were talking about last night is it's so funny how for basketball at Purdue, basketball at Purdue, it's um, play hard. Defense lives here. We have a turnover counter, for God's sakes. You know, we're all about defense. We, we want people diving right. through these balls. We, we want appreciate we want, this guy. We want yeah. people going. We want people like all up in each other's grills when it, when they're playing defense. But now that it's football, we're like, ah, I don't know. I let's just yeah. throw the ball really well. It's so it's just funny to see that that polar opposite, um, you know, kind of identity. And I get it that you know Purdue's identity is the cradle of quarterbacks, but it's also the den of defensive ends. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind building a new identity where people are scared to come play at Ross Aid Stadium because they know they're not gonna they're gonna go three and out over and over and over again we're gonna yeah. we're gonna mess with the quarterback I, I would love to to build that new identity absolutely and a lot of people say that the best <laughs> offense is a good defense defense wins championships yeah. all these different sort of uh you know quotes and things i love the the way that they're gonna go with it i love what he said today he said controlled chaos is what yeah. his philosophy is controlled chaos and i think that's a beautiful term and uh, I would love to see it in action. It's going to be like that old Tiller days, but especially on the other side of the ball where wasn't Tiller like like a ballet on grass? Well, there was some on Basketball on grass, yeah. Basketball on grass, okay. So now we got this controlled chaos defense, and he's proven himself, like you said. I love the fact – that's one thing that Purdue hasn't done really well, in my opinion, is getting turnovers. And this yeah. guy led the big – I think the, the country, and they're like number one in turnovers or, you know, yeah. defensive scoring or something. There's some category like – yeah. The dude knows what he's doing. And I also and I think it's very interesting that he has his own system, as he calls it. It's like his defense is not really a name for yeah. it. He's not really a three, four. He's not really a four, three. Secret sauce. He's a multiple defense, the secret sauce, man. So and he's also just got swag. And I think that that's something that yeah. the kids can relate to. He's young. I think he's going to energize that building. I also love the hire because he's in Illinois. So he's been there two years. He understands the uh, recruiting pool that he's in the area of. He's in. Yeah. Big Ten Midwest country. So I think he'll be able to recruit well here and even maybe out in Colorado since that's where he's played and is from. So hopefully he can start to get into some territories that we hadn't been in previous. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think his just uh, his he's um, he's got a swagger about him. Like you said, I think he's a really he's just seems like he's really in tune with the players. I mean, the first thing he does when he walks in the building is say, a Maccabee, here's your scholarship. Like he was yeah. floored that Maccabee wasn't on a scholarship whenever he, right. whenever they played him. Um, and yeah, I, I think he, he's going to be great. Um, it's going to be interesting, interesting, like you said, you yeah, know, to see one, one, one quick thing on that. I, I'm yeah, actually yeah. surprised that Brom didn't give him a scholarship before he left. Wouldn't that right? have been a, a good move on the way out? So that was kind of like, and another one of those things, like, like, like just as, just as, as, as a, as for sure as him going to Louisville, Maccabi was going to be on scholarship at some point next semester. But, you know, I was very surprised that they didn't do the right thing on the way out the doors. But, you know, I'm sure he's in a whirlwind. He's got all kinds of things going on. And, yeah, that probably wasn't at the forefront of his mind. But, I mean, that's that's a heck of a way to win over your football team. You walk Absolutely. in the door like that and, and, and invigorate those guys. So uh, that was awesome.
Yeah, uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm, you know, we've already got some good defensive pieces returning next year, like Sanusi Kane, who led the team in tackles, um, yep. assisted and, uh, you know, uh, by himself as well. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And so just real quick before we wrap up here, um, you know, we talked about him needing an, an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, who is somebody you would like to see as offensive coordinator at Purdue? Well, they've already thrown out the, the couple of names that I think everyone's calling for Shepard to come back. Um, yeah. A guy like Malzahn, he had a good offense down in Auburn, but I think he's still head coach in the UCF, so we probably won't mm -hmm. have enough money and enough pool to get a guy like that. But yeah, I think that we still got to continue to have an innovative offense. And and based on what uh, Walters was talking about, he wants to be able to run the football. He also wants a mobile quarterback, it sounds like, uh, which yeah. I would love to see. You know, pocket passing quarterbacks, that's probably more so the, den, the, the cradle of quarterbacks. They got that nice little nest that they're sitting back there cooking defenses. But I would love to see a guy who's got a little bit of uh, a dual threat guy. So maybe yeah. we get something going towards there. And we also got um, the kid, the Mr. Football, um, which I don't know what type of legs he's got. But um, yeah. so I guess I, I think our top would be Shepard. And I think that we've got like 1.5 million extra money to give to the assistant. So that yeah. to me is a big enough pool. You bring a guy like him in for – an associate uh, head coach as well as an OC and you give him the reins or maybe you fuck. Oh, you're good. I can still hear you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I just cussed on this. Thing. I'm sorry. The, uh, oh, the you're good. You're... I'm getting a FaceTime call. All good. All and, good. And <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me catch my track again. I'm back. Okay. Well, so again, someone like that, someone that can keep the offense going and, and kind of create their own identity. Um, yeah. And I'd like to continue to see us run the football, and um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree, though. I think Shep would be a great – what's that? <laughs> I said some technical difficulties over here for a second. It's all good. You should see when we're in on, like, our pre – when we're all just hanging out and, like, before we go live, it's a mess. Somebody's microphone's not working. Somebody, you can't hear them. It, it's always something or other, so no worries at all. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, offensive coordinator would love would love to see Shepard. I, I was telling somebody last night during the podcast. I think that in the big picture of things, I would love if Walters came in. I would love if Walters stays for a while. If stays for a long time, I would love for him to come in. Um, you know, send Purdue to uh, new heights. Maybe break that eight to nine win uh, glass ceiling that's kind of above us. Um, get to ten or even eleven wins um, in, in a few years. Um, a few years time, maybe four or five years. And then let's say he does go somewhere, maybe an SEC school offers him maybe, you know, and who knows what the dynamic or landscape of college football is going to look like in four or five years, because it's changed so much, I feel like in just the last two. But, right. you know, let's say he does leave and we've got Shepard that's been on the staff. He was on the staff with Brom. He was he's offensive coordinator um, uh, and, and, you know, calling the plays as uh, uh, with with Walters. I think that would be a great like next step transition into somebody who'd probably Man, you're already thinking next steps after Walters. He hadn't even had his day one at the office yet. We're talking I know. I'm just saying, you know, everybody says uh, nobody's loyal anymore. So I'm just preparing myself yeah. for heartache. Um, but no, yeah, I that's what we got to stop doing as fans. I think, especially, you know, there's always, I mean, we, I think Purdue, everyone does in the country, but it seems that we have like this idea that, and you've been a Purdue fan longer than I've even been a Purdue fan. So I'll give yeah. you that, you know, you, you've been through the ups and the downs. But um, I think we'll give this guy a chance, and I, I, I hope and I urge everybody out there, we can't fall off the wagon after year one. Now, ultimately, Absolutely. he came in, he says, this isn't a rebuild. This is basically a reboost. Like, we're, we got good players. We just were at a Big Ten championship game. We're reloading. This is not a rebuild. Yeah. We're, re, we're, you know, we're reloading. So 
I think that everyone has to be patient. It was going to be a tough schedule next year with Brown here and not here. So, like, you know, that's that's inevitable. Um, I think it'll be a good season. I think that we're going to see a much different product on the defensive side of the ball. And you're yeah. also you got to think about who he's going to be able to go hit in the transfer, especially this late in the game. That, that's something that kind of bothers me. When, when is early signing day? It's got to be coming up here soon. Less than a week. Uh, I want to say it's like the 21st, maybe. 21st. So, yeah, we're, we're fast approach a week, a week away right now. So he's got to hit that transfer porter, portal uh, yeah. pretty quickly. And maybe he brings some uh, grad transfer guys out of Illinois. You know, there's a lot of lot of cards in the de- in the deal in the deck. Yeah, so. I think Witherspoon is uh, who's one of their good DBs. I think he was he's a junior right now, so you know maybe maybe get him to come over. Yeah, um, he may have even he may have. Uh, I think he tweeted something at Walters today too. You know, okay. just a congratulations or yeah. something. But uh, to me, that means like, yo, congratulations. You know, throw me a bone. Let me come out there. Yeah, and I think I saw like the number the number one athlete in Illinois, who's like a four star athlete recruit coming out of high school. He like reposted the or he quoted the tweet with uh, Walters coming to Purdue. So you never know what's gonna happen. Uh, like everybody said, he's a great recruiter. Um, uh, I think Belima said he can recruit pretty well in any environment. You put him in any scenario, yeah. and he can recruit. So a um, lot of hope there. But that's a big part of that. I think is. Getting his getting his guys, getting his supporting staff, his offensive coordinator, if he does go for a defensive coordinator or if he's calling the plays, I would love to see him just be a full-on head coach and have somebody else take that over, and maybe he just gives his input. Um, so, so is this Drew Brees thing confirmed? Yeah, they confirmed it on black and gold. Uh, he's going to be the – he's going to help like a, out with, like, it, the quarterbacks. Is this a job interview? Maybe he could be our next OC. You never know. I, I don't know. That? I, I think you'd have if, – if he was willing to – sign on but then again you know he's been through this so many years he probably is happy to be hanging out with his family again and, and get some time with that but could you imagine i think yeah. that'd be a hell of a way to recruit guys you just bring drew Brees in your living room and oh yeah absolutely you, yeah you're a quarterback you're like you know you're a f- four or five star quarterback drew Brees walks into your house game over that's game sold over. that's sold yeah yeah absolutely. so i think you know i hope maybe he even stays on as an analyst <laughs> role you know maybe he has some sort of uh connection with the program moving forward after this but i think that that's an awesome way to again harness a lot of uh you know support within the within those walls and that's the thing we got to do we got to love on those guys and keep them in the in the in the in the, in the building and they yeah, want these guys to start getting skittish and and start trying to scatter yeah absolutely and you know um i love that walters wants all the alumni to be around all the time i think that's such a good look like you imagine you're walking into on a recruiting visit and you've got like Ryan Kerrigan, Kawan Short, Ricardo Allen, Markel um, Jones, Markel Jones uh, DJ Knox, uh, you know, uh, uh, David Yancey, <laughs> all these guys, D'Angelo Yancey, I mean, you know, all David these guys, Blau. David Blau, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Have those guys just walking around, hanging out. You know, that's, that's such a, that's a huge statement. Um, so hopefully that can, and, and then with the, the new stadium updates that we're getting in the oh, fall, yeah. Yeah. the tunnel, the, uh, kind of the wrapped around bowl type feel. So um, there's a lot to look forward to with Purdue. I think he's got a lot of great things that he can sell to people. Like you said, if Breeze does become a part of the staff in one way or another, I think that's a great selling point for recruits. Um, so, yeah, just kind of a wait and see now. It sucks that uh, this is all happening now and we have to wait until, you know, August to to see the product out on the field or, or September. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Mark Hill, yeah, you know. go ahead. I, I also kind of wonder what kind of engagement and involvement. Maybe he spoke on it. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the entire um, Q and A session. Uh, what's his involvement going to be like 
during this time between, is he going to be out recruiting, finding a staff primarily and let the old guys do their thing? Or what, what do you know about that? Yeah. So uh, in the press conference, he said that he, he right now he's he's a solo man. So it's him and he's got the recruiting. To, the recruiting guys are still here that were on staff with Brom. They're still here. But it's as far as like his own guys, it's it's just him right now. And so I think as soon as that conference is wrapping up, he was getting ready to go out on the road and start recruiting guys. And I think um, one guy that he had offered while he was at Illinois, he offered again as the Purdue head coach. Um, I can't remember what his name is. But he's, uh, I think, a commit to Auburn right now. But you know, that would be a great flip. You flip that guy from Auburn to Purdue, that would be that'd be great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, right now it's just him. But hopefully he can get his staff in soon. It sounded like the way he was talking, it sounded like he already kind of has a short list or guys that he wants to get in touch with to right. fill those roles. So we'll see. I think I was reading something today. It could be you know for offensive coordinator, it could be Jamarcus Shepard. It could be, um, you know, uh. What's his name? Dooley. He was a head coach at Tennessee for a while, but he was now he's like an offensive analyst for Alabama. Yeah. Um, they've got connections. I think they were at uh, Missouri, uh, Mizzou for a little bit together. Um, Jeff Scott, who was the wide receiver coach slash offensive coordinator when Clemson had like um, uh, Watson and all those guys there, um, who was the head coach at South Florida for a couple of years. So, yeah, uh, it's all up in the air right now. Uh, yeah. It's it's giving me gray hairs, man. I'm like, oh, I'm checking my phone all the time trying to see what's going on. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exciting stuff, man. Exciting. It's a great time to be a Boilermaker. I mean, it, it sure it, it definitely is. And I don't have any insider information. All of my plugs <laughs> have slid off to Louisville. So the only person I got in house right now is DJ and hopefully he stays around. So, yeah, uh, you know, you, you'll know as soon as I know, but it is definitely an exciting time. And that's the thing. It's it's such a great time. And everyone said it. We're in such a better position than we were in 15 and 16, whenever Hazel had just gotten fired. So I'm super excited for the future. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. And, you know, but just don't get nervous. Don't get nervous in the beginning. It's not going to be a Picasso overnight. So, oh, no, no, no. I'm not nervous about like having a great year next year. I think your next year, no matter who was in charge, was going to be. Um, I know we don't like the term rebuild, but we're we're losing like 11 or 10 guys on uh, defense. We're losing yep. three key pieces on offense. So it was going to be a different team. Right. Um, you know, tough schedule as well. Um, and so I, I, I hope that Walter stays here for as long as possible. I just hope yep. that he my worry is that he's going to have really a lot of success really fast. And then, you know, maybe peace out to a bigger school. Um, but also let's change the yeah. narrative of how Purdue's looked at and let's be that school that people want to yeah. come to and, and stay at. So, yeah. you know, it, it's all about changing the narrative. And I think Walters is the guy that can do that. I agree. And a, a part of me was thinking though today, other than, you know, having a great football program, a good athletic department and all these types of things. I mean, I think we are at a sort of a disadvantage just, the area of the country we're in. We're in West Lafayette, Indiana. I mean, you do have Chicago right there, but again, a lot of these guys, maybe they want these big time, high profile jobs and we just have to do, and maybe he'll get it done in his tenure here, but make this a big time, high profile job, like yeah. in Alabama, like at Clemson. So that's the challenge there. And then um, creating an atmosphere in the stadium with the new enclosed South End Zone with the tunnel, which I think is gonna be huge. and It'll be a really That'd good awesome. recruiting tool. I'm hoping for some lights and some mute, some speakers and just all kinds of like dope stuff in the tunnel. So I think that the I, I'm and I'm already knowing based on the presser how Mike Berghoff and Bobinski are oh, basically yeah. giving him the keys and the checkbook. And that's huge because that's always sort of been a disadvantage at times. 
yeah. just how much money we have to give out to these assistants and to put into the program. But they've bought in. And I think I don't know if they have an award for AD of the year, but if they do, I think Bobinski should be up for it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so you were talking about like all the renovations to the stadium uh, when we had we had Charles Tordzo Jr. on here a couple weeks yep. ago. And um, he was he's a great guy to have on here. And we were talking about all the updates to the stadium. And I pitched him my idea that I told you about, like having Thunderstruck play by ACDC and having people in chant boilers. He was like, we need to get you in front of somebody. And I'm that's what I just need to need I'm to get that to going. You. Yeah. Well, it seems like this guy might this this new coach might be receptive to that type of uh, yeah. information from the fans. So this might be the prime and ideal time to go do that. So you might yeah. reach out to him. And yeah. I also saw somebody and they made another good point. Can we get rid of shout at some point? Can we do Absolutely. something else in the fourth quarter? Do yeah, we have any ideas for that? Is it going to be Thunderstruck? What, what are we going to do there? I don't know. I, I don't have any ideas, honestly. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that you could do that just it's just like, man, you think about games where maybe it's not a close game and they're like, all right, everybody, right. let's get everybody pumped up and play yeah. shout. It's like, yeah, come on, man. Like yeah. it looks cool whenever it's a games like Penn State where there's people like, you know, busting out of the stadium like a like a can of biscuits. Oh, Mo Bamba. That's a love great that just, that's I a great that. third quarter song. I still remember Mo Bamba playing whenever we beat Ohio State every oh. like, third down or something. Yeah, it was that's lit. a great. That would be great. Yeah, Mo Bamba. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, man, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time and everything. I know you're a busy guy, uh, so I'll go ahead and wrap us up here. But, uh, Mark Hill, just thank you so much for taking the time to join in and talk about um, Maccabi, the Purdue football program as a whole, and kind of the future of Purdue football. So it's an exciting time to be a Boilermaker, and uh, we always love having you on here. So I appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. See you next time. All right, Boiler up. Boiler up.